Hello and welcome to the Ballot Box global election coverage from a team of political scientists. I'm Jonathan Parker in London. I'm Chris Terry in Manchester. I'm Andres Besser in New York City. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Ballot Box. Today we're going to talk about the, the recent Swedish elections that happened on September 11th, which produced a knife edge result. But before we get into, um, before we get talking about the election, I think um, at least Johnny has has some pretty big news. Where are you, where are you coming from, Johnny? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm coming from Glasgow, where I've just moved uh, to take up my uh, new position. Um, so yes, I started teaching today and trying to figure out where everything is. Um, not just in the university, but in the in the city generally. Um, <laughs> this is completely clueless at the moment, but yeah, I'm sure everything's going to click into place soon. Was today's class just like a general kind of introduction to the, to the syllabus type class, or did you touch upon any sort of theories or or substantive material? Yeah, we did some stuff. I mean, it, it was. It, I'm teaching a module on political parties this term, so um, we just looked basically kind of like some sort of party organization stuff um which for me is the is the more boring bit so get get out of my way first <laughs> and then get into something uh, something more interesting next week um but yeah yeah all seems all seems to go quite well that's great well the, they're lucky to have you as a as a teacher as a professor for sure um uh i hope you can incorporate the the podcast at some point yeah. that'd be <laughs> fun <laughs> and how about you chris how's everything going in manchester Oh yeah, all good. Um, had a had a very relaxing bank holiday weekend. Morning, the death of my monarch. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, obviously been a it's been an odd couple of weeks in Britain, but um, I think things are starting to normalise again. Um, politics is back. <laughs> it's like, as of today. To remember that Liz Truss is prime minister now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually changed. Program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she started going out and actually announcing all the things that she wants to do. So yeah, yeah, interesting going. And you're in Apsa. Uh, you're at Libba. You're at Apsa last week, Andreas. How how was yeah. that? Yeah, Apsa for those who aren't political scientists. So it's essentially like our, our, the political science mecca. <laughs> like uh, um, the biggest um, conference uh, and typically considered to be the most prestigious in in the world. Wow. It was it was great. It was in Montreal, which is close to New York, and mm. a really beautiful a really beautiful city. And yeah, it was just it was incredible to see what people are working on. It's it's kind of it's intense because it's like four days where you um, mm. hear people talk about their research. Uh, and you can hear about all sorts of things. There's uh, there's over sixty sections, so people working on really different things. Um, I got to meet a lot of uh, people that I had either read or cited at some point, and a co-author with whom I've written an article that's under that's that's under review at the moment, who I actually didn't hadn't hadn't had never met in person. Um, she's in she's in the European University, so we we also got to to meet and chat. That was cool. So it was great. Oh, it was really 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 great. Um, it's a weird sort of exhaustion too, because you there's so much information and people, um, you you're you're a bit tired by the end, but in a in a kind of good way. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so back to Sweden. Um, what's the what's the constitu constitutional setup of Sweden and 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 how much does it look like other Nordic countries so it's fairly typical Nordic setup so it's um constitutional monarchy um negative parliamentarism which negative parliamentarism is a very important detail of Nordic constitutions and it gets glossed over quite a lot uh, try and um talk about that a little bit so negative parliamentarism is that so in positive parliamentarism which is what most parliamentary democracies have um you are voting confidence in a government um in negative parliamentarism the question is basically reversed it's are you opposed to the government and basically that semantic change allows for people to kind of tolerate governments more freely so all the nordic democracies have well, apart from Finland, 
basically have long histories of minority governments. Um, social democratic parties in all the Nordic countries typically governed in, in single party um, minority government arrangements for most of their long periods in power. Um, and you've ha had kind of, and you've also had a set of um, minority coalitions as well in, in, or, or, in basically all the Nordic countries too. So that's an important detail because, yeah, there's a lot of bartering over who, even now that we know the result and we know that kind of one side of the way is one, there's still like bartering going on over who's actually going to be in the government. Um, and that happens a lot after Nordic elections. Um, in terms of the electoral system, it's 4% threshold. There are regions, but there are also leveling seats above it. The system is actually fairly proportional. Got 349 seats, which, as Jonathan pointed out in notes, is unusual. It's larger than it theoretically should be. Also, I want to make a brief point about the why well, it's 349, not 350. Um, it was 350 until the 70s, and then there was an election in which two blocks drew each other, <laughs> and they didn't want to do a grand coalition, so they just change the electoral they just change the electoral law to remove a seat to make it a non-number so there could never be a tie again <laughs> so yeah um so yeah i mean and i think that fact is actually quite telling about nordic politics which although though it's quite consensual in many ways um there's not any real history of like grand coalitions or any or, or, or anything like that in most of the nordic states there there is cooperation sometimes from even parliaments between biggest parties of the left and biggest parties of the right but it's, it's um, and much more so than you would see in for example the uk um or, or even um even somewhere like germany but um the parties are still um generally kind of clearly against each other in terms of government formation at the very least yeah except again uh, um, Finland, which is always the weird odd one um or, yeah 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 um, yeah we can, we can get in um, well, we'll we'll deal with, we'll deal with the way, many ways in which Finland is weird whenever we have a fit whenever we have a Finland episode. Um, but yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and aside from that, I think the kind of interest other interesting thing to note about um, Sweden is that it elects all its levels of government at once on the same day, except the European Parliament. So local and regional elections are also happening at the same time, and now they won't happen again until the next um, general election, whenever that should be. Um, probably in four years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so shall we now move on to a kind of basic description of the party system, or is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's the basic. I mean, it's... Um... Yeah, I mean, Sweden is kind of, and like the other Nordic countries, are kind of known for having these uh, more of a kind of working parliament with like strong committees and stuff, much more than being a kind of debating mm. chamber. Um, so, like I say, it's it's this weird combination of you you never do formal coalitions with the other bloc, but when you're in government, you you tend to work with them quite a lot, um, and decisions do tend to become quite consensual. But there is this sort of strong element of um, mm. sort of sort of bipolarism, um, sort of majoritarian, sort of two two uh, kind of sides facing off each other. Yeah, yeah. All of the almost all of the um, Nordic states, apart from Iceland and Finland, have basically moved towards a kind of very clear block divide in terms of their politics. Um, so you can see how. Um, you can see how the kind of electoral and as we'll discuss the party system kind of feeds into that. Um, but at the same time, there is a yeah, a lot of cross-block working. Mm -hmm. Part of that is um because I think one thing that kind of is quite nice about Nordic politics is that's quite a lot of long-termism in the way that politicians seem to think. And so the way in which they're often thinking is that. So, for example, there's a kind of there's a kind of a frequent view that if you can get the opposition to vote for your legislation, then what that essentially does is it protects it for the long run. Yeah. Um, so, you by by getting them to vote for your legislation, you're you're essentially 
um, making sure making sure that it's then kind of consensual because it's consensual. The opposition has a reason to keep backing it when they come into power. So yeah, there's a lot of that um, kind of thinking going on. Like something, even something like like the formation of the welfare state is quite an interesting one in, in Scandinavia because what you often had was social democratic parties who were being essentially supported in government by parties to the left, in the Swedish case, literally a communist party. Um, and then they were frequently doing deals with like agrarian parties to try and uh, to actually um, for the kind of welfare state legislation. Yeah. Um, so they knew that. So yeah, that helped bed, bed it all in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing to think, remember about like the kind of Scandinavian welfare states, which are obviously much talked about and admired across the world, that they, mm-hmm. that they are not, the kind of socialist element of them is much overstated, I think, most of the time, in that this is very much, like, there's there's massive redistribution and this kind of element that sort of attempts mm-hmm. decommodification and, and, and big sort of welfare state, but it's very much within a private economy. Um, it like there's not much attempt, not really attempt at kind of national yeah. major industries or anything like that. Um, it, yeah, and and lots of different parts of the um, welfare state are essentially using um, levels of privatization that you wouldn't find, for example, in the UK within themselves. So like, there's a lot of state money going around, but it's flowing into things which are so. For example, um, as we're talking about Sweden. All the schools in Sweden are technically privately run and privately run on a profit, are they, uh, te- and technically privately run on a for, for profit basis. <laughs> um, but it's the government that's essentially funding them. Yeah, yeah, because it's also very decentralized as well, the Nordic countries, and that like mm. municipalities often have a role in like healthcare and education provision, which greater than they would in, um, especially in the UK, but in some of the uh, countries as well. Um, on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, probably best we move on from the uh, the constitutional um, with the niceties um, and party system. Um, yeah, so this Sweden's often like often talk about it as having the kind of archetype of the sort of Scandinavian party system, um, and and all, classically was talked about as having very like as being kind of simple with like not too much in the way of like multiple issue dimensions um so had it was always five key parties um so this is kind of very classic nordic model of having two parties on one side of the, on the left and three on the right um which most of the the scandinavian countries followed so you have a really big social democratic party um that's dominant um and on and then a small kind of co- communist or socialist party to the to the left of it and then your right being divided between a uh, conservative party, which was sort of standing for the kind of urban middle classes, um, and then agrarian and liberal parties, which had more of a, uh, usually more of a rural base. Um, and so, yeah, so this was the Swedish Swedish party system had these uh, five elements, um, really, really dominant social democratic party. Um, th- this was the most dominant of the, of the Nordic countries. The largest party since 1917 um on a couple of occasions actually won absolute majorities of like votes as well um which the others didn't uh achieve um in this yeah way. yeah and it was just in government just like almost constantly basically from the 30s up until like the 70s um, yeah huge. i think it's i think it's still the party mm. i think it's the party after i think it's the party after fina foil in ireland which has spent most of the 20th century in power uh and and uh yeah um so yeah people talk about the decline of the nordic um social democratic parties but not quite on the level of fina foil <laughs> um but yeah it's an interesting yeah example yeah. of like truly dominant party and the social mm. democrats also still winning big in like the 90s and stuff it was actually a much sharper decline and then than some of the than some of the others like yeah norwegian labor was already down into the 30s percent by the 80s and 90s um whereas yeah the the social democrats were still going much stronger um in sweden um but yeah mm. and then on the right um you also had the 
these three so the the agrarian party which became the center party as the same with the the uh the norwegian party then there was this uh thing called the people's party which has changed and it became the liberal people's party and is now called the liberals um which is uh, traditionally a kind of center liberal party although now has um, been moving much more to the right um, yeah yeah yeah, um, and, uh, yeah, and they they traditionally have they kind of campaign on issues that other parties don't. So they've traditionally been more pro NATO. They've been vocally pro NATO. They've also domestically they're also kind of seen as like the education party, the party that talks about like education policy a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they have like a little bit of a specialism. Mm-hmm. And I think this the centre party now has basically become a very much much of a liberal party rather than i think that especially more compared to the norwegian party has gone further down the road of becoming becoming a basically a liberal party um many yeah 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 lot, like all the agrarian parties have had to go in like certain different directions because of course the fact that the fact of the matter is is that the agrarian base is just kind of hollowed out Mm. Um, uh, uh, they simply are not agrarian economies anymore. Um, the agrarian parties in Nordic states are really interesting on like a historical level because they basically formed out of like peasants' movements. Uh, um, because peasants in the Nordic states were unusually um well educated and mm. politicized early on, so they were able to kind of build these institutions. Um, but obviously, as rural life kind of Fled away, they all kind of went in slightly different directions. The 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 Finnish ones became sort of a catch-all party because they were the kind of strongest. Um, the Norwegian party has recently kind of been moving into a kind of populist direction. The um, and and I would say the Icelandic party too. Um, the and the but the Swedish one has basically gone in a really interesting direction of basically becoming one of the most vocally free market parties in in um sometimes even more so than the moderates but also combining that with kind of very strong um social liberal kind of viewpoints in terms of being very anti-racist which yeah as we talk about how the um how the party system developed um yes yeah that's going to become quite important <laughs> yeah um yeah and we should mention that these these two have much more histories than the moderates of working with the social democrats on a lot of occasions so the the, mm. the agrarians even participated in some kind of rare cross-block coalitions um in the kind of post-war era um as well um but yeah, the mo- the so the the main the main the largest kind of centre right party has been for a while is this uh, this party called the Moderates, um, mm. which was uh, originally known as as the just as the right party, um, and th- this does have a history of, and and has kind of returned to a much more right wing sort of stance now of being like, being quite right wing I think um, more than many of the conservative parties. I mean I was just trolling through some of the. Um, kind of manifesto uh, coding data um, for for this last week, and they are getting in the in the kind of nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, in nineteen sixties. This party is is still scoring as as, as very very right wing um, economically and culturally, while other conservative parties in, in other countries are are actually getting reasonably that kind of moderate centre left scores mm. in places and um, very centrist scores. In this period is obviously a period of the of like Keynesianism and stuff, and and yet this part this party is 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 was had a reputation as well as being very very reactionary. Um, they didn't um weren't sort of uh lead they lead a government officially until until the nineteen nineties. Um, although mm. they didn't they moderated significantly in the seventies when it also when it adopted this moderate name. Um, and started sort of participating as its kind of junior partners in coalitions. Um, since the nineties, though, it's kind of established itself as the the largest party of the of the centre right bloc by way mm. um, as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything to add about the moderates before? This yeah, I mean, I, I think that nineties change as well was interesting in terms of 
they remained quite economically um, right wing, but it was they became relatively socially liberal on things like migration and and um, and uh, and kind of things like LGBT rights and things like that. So it was a so that was a kind of interesting um difference they, they, the nordic right is often the nordic kind of traditional center right is often very strongly free market funny enough despite the fact or maybe because of the fact that they're known as these very social democratic countries um the right is often uh, um very very vocally ideologically free pro free market and economically liberal <laughs> um but yeah which yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was also Sweden compared to the other Nordics also had this quite late democratization, um, mm. and the yeah there was there was a, certainly a consistent kind of conservative rearguard action against this until till fairly sort of into the kind of early twentieth century in, in this way, um, and yeah, it's produced something which is a bit more bit more to the right, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, two more parties that are kind of added in the 80s and 90s um we did which was kind of i suppose in common with with some other parts of europe um we get the kind of entry of the kind of more some sort of post-materialist issue dimensions so uh we get christian democrats entering parliament as um sort of spurred by sort of secularization in society um and especially these changes we talked about in the moderates are becoming uh more um socially liberal um these these kind of this party enters parliament um we also get a green party um unlike in norway where we sort of talked last year don't really have a green party until the last like 10 years we do get a green party in sweden um they have a they have a communist party still rather than a kind of new left eco-socialist sort of party yeah yeah um, so we do get a green party um yeah yeah i think that was a kind of primary reason why the greens came up in sweden was because the left party was basically post-communist i mean it, it it was obviously started to um it started very much in the 80s and 90s to start talking about like new left issues yeah it was still yeah. fundamentally kind of quite old left in style and it, even nowadays like it's it's not considered uncommon for for members of the left party to identify themselves as communists mm. it's just like that's not the official that's not the official party stance at the moment um but yeah 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 so then we get this into this um i suppose kind of this sort of adding now kind of to a kind of seven party um format as we get into the early 2000s we get then we get this formation before the 2006 election of mm. um obviously we've already had these kind of block politics but before 2006 now we get for they kind of formalized um the light what they call just unimaginatively called the alliance for sweden of moderates mm. liberals, center and the christian democrats um come together they issue a a the, the social democrats again have been in power for quite a long time they issue a so they issue a joint manifesto um campaign together in 2006 and they win a majority government um and it's going to govern um at this point uh, for until up until 2014 in 2010 though we get a bit of a bit of a shock um in the the sweden democrats uh, make it into the into the riksdag for the first time um so yeah i mean i think maybe uh chris do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about the sweden democrats i think maybe you're a bit more up to speed on them. Sure. So Sweden Democrats. So Sweden for a long time was um, was described as the Nordic country that seemed like most resistant to right wing populism um, because um, Denmark and Denmark and Norway both saw right wing populist parties break through actually really quite early by European standards um, in the nineteen seventies. They both had these two parties called the both both called the Progress Party. Both were, both actually starting off as like populist anti-tax parties first and foremost, like headed by kind of charismatic figures, but um, embracing um, increasingly um, anti-migration themes 
as they kind of moved into the 80s and and um have both uh, and that's basically the legacy of where right-wing populism comes from in those countries it's finland slightly different route um there's a party there called the Finns party which has essentially came out of like a more radical end of the agrarian movement um and whereas Sweden had a period in the early 90s where they elected uh, where a kind of right-wing populist party got into parliament for one election and then swiftly collapsed um but um apart from that they've been very untroubled by right-wing populism with um Sweden Democrats um came along relatively late but had been kind of for a long time the most obvious right-wing populist party i mean they'd they'd received they they hadn't come that far below the threshold in the 2006 election as well so it wasn't a complete surprise they'd been kind of bubbling up for a while um but fundamentally the party um it originates with kind of it, it, people always mention the fact that it originates from neo-Nazi movements, uh, which it basically, which it does. Fundamentally, that's just the truth of it. <laughs> like, like the party's origins lie in like proper hardcore, uh, proper neo-fascist movements. However, the party is now moderated to a position where it's obviously still very much right-wing populist, but its positions are not fundamentally that different from other right-wing populist parties. It's not, it's not really more extreme than the right-wing populist party in, say, Denmark. In fact, there are more extreme um, right-wing populist parties in Denmark or, or the right and or, or the right-wing populist party in, in Finland now, which has gone in a very radical direction. Um, but, um, I would say probably also less extreme than, for example, the alternative for, for Germany. But still, fundamentally, a, a very anti-migration very anti-multiculturalism party which has taken which um has clearly tapped into an electorate that very much exists in sweden um and this is i think this partially came about because um of migration uh like the nordic states have transformed a, a very large amount mm -hmm. socially in quite a long, in quite a long time, over a, like a multiple decades, these were historically homogeneously very white populations, and there are now not insubstantial um, non-white populations, particularly Muslim ones, in in some major cities. Malmo has. I'm mentioning this. I mentioned the word Malmo. People who are hooked into European politics, Malmo often comes up as like is often used by um people on the radical right as a kind of byword for like multiculturalism going wrong which i think is unfair both to malmo to malmo but the the fact that those themes come up is um that that attack comes up is telling about something in swedish politics mm. um the, yeah uh, i the uh, and yeah, the Sweden Democrats have clearly hooked into this, but at the same time, because of largely because of their origins, they've also been very controversial. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, uh, and the party has had a cordon sanitaire around it until which started actually, I would actually say, started to break down after the last election and has now fully broken down. Um, sorry. Uh, and for, for our listeners, why don't you tell us what is a cordon sanitaire? Cordon sanitaire is basically an agreement between parties that you won't work with the Sweden Democrats. So when the Sweden Democrats first got into parliament, they only got 20 seats. So it wasn't like a huge deal to cooperate around them, even though they basically had a kind of kingmaker role. So in 2014, the Sweden Democrats came third um which was a kind of bigger blow to the system and um and put them once again in a kind of in a kind of kingmaker role so the two blocks ended up doing something a little bit unusual so first of all they tried to basically run things on the basis of 
um, the Social Democrats would govern with their allies on the basis that the Social Democrats and their allies had won more seats than the centre-right bloc. So that was kind of the way that they were trying to handle it. Um, but this ran into problems when um, the centre-right started um, voting, started wanting to vote against lots of the legislation. So they ended up doing a deal between actually both the two blocks. Um, really fascinating, fascinatingly kind of thing that could probably only happen in a, a country like like this, where they very desperately do not want to form a grand coalition, but at the same time, there's kind of cooperation between the two blocks, where the right wing block essentially voted to let kind of confidence issue legislation and legislation on areas like foreign policy and defense, which were considered particularly important to the country, kind of just pass without contestation. Um, so that the Sweden Democrats didn't accidentally kind of um, get kind of and help bring down a government or something like that. Um, but, and obviously the adv first advantage of that was it worked. Um, like, yeah, they spent a they spent a parliamentary term happily passing legislation, um, and um, people were able to kind of broadly carry along their way. But this problem was was obviously that then looked like a stitch up against the, the Sweden Democrats, um, which then helped boost the Sweden Democrats again at the next election. The other, so basically you. By at the 2018 election, you then had the Sweden Democrats get um, only coming two percent behind the moderates, um, very getting into a position where they're kind of very clearly starting to get um, be in a position where they might come second. Some polls, certain uh, periods, had even had them in first, um, albeit I think they'll probably. Um, problems with the polling um being done um so uh, so you then very clearly had ha you're just getting into a problem where this is clearly becoming um unsustainable um to just have this party keep rising up and up and up and try to do deals around them, at least from the view of the right um perhaps the left would have were, were happier to continue doing uh, doing things as they were um so after the and, and the 2018 election also posed a, a kind of a problem as well because in the 2014 election you had had a very clear plurality of seats for the left block and its partners in but um but in the 2018 election things were much closer um and so the legitimacy of just allowing the Social Democrats to govern sort of started to come into question um, from the right. Um, and so then we had a delightful moment where the moderates and the Christian Democrats essentially tried to put together a government where they were basically hoping that the Sweden Democrats would just kind of vote for it, but without actually doing a formal deal. <laughs> <laughs> um and the center party and the liberals went screw this <laughs> we're gonna go vote for the social democrats to be in power instead <laughs> um so that's what they did and then you ended up with this so for the last four years you've had this kind of interesting situation where the social democrats have been in power um um on the basis of votes um, from the two, par two parties in the right-wing bloc. So, yeah, that takes us up to the present day-ish, um, well, up to uh, up the last election. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's really, it, it's, it's an interesting, it's, a, it's an election, I mean, it's a party system which does sound pretty typical, but the story around the Sweden the, the the Swedish Democrats is is definitely quite the Sweden Democrats is definitely quite unique. yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I, I mean, again, I think if they hadn't had this, these kind of neo-Nazi origins, the party probably would have been more accepted into right much sooner. Um, but the fact that uh, that was part of it, and and also, like lots of the right is quite pro-immigration in Sweden um, as well, and and pro-multiculturalism. Um, so that's also imposed uh, a, 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 a an issue. Uh, yeah, two blocks that were primarily arranged on economic issues uh, um, has suddenly have this issue of immigration to and multiculturalism to contend with, and mm -hmm. deciding where they're going to position themselves on that issue. Whereas I would say that in Denmark, for example, the blocks have already become arranged on immigration as like the the primary subject of competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the, the the kind of story, I guess, of the last like year or so has been that um, I don't know, the kind of reassembling of that right block, like you say, the Christian Democrats and the moderates were like very keen. They'd sort of again have gone with the idea and have then for this election said that they would form a government which was supported by the Sweden Democrats. And that yeah, yeah. problems with those two, the two other parties of the of the centre right bloc, which were supporting social democrats, and they both just gone in opposite ways on this. The liberals decided, um, after quite a lot of internal dissent, to throw their hat in with the this idea of the of the right bloc with the Sweden Democrats, um, and have adopted actually a, a more consistently right wing program to kind of match it in many ways. Um, mm. Whereas the centre has decided that. There is, although they are quite far economically from the Social Democrats, that they want to keep a government which has um, Magdalene Andersson, the, the Swedish uh, prime minister in, in power, and has kind of, I suppose, sort of joined that bloc. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically yeah. they were formally declared as part of that bloc, yeah. really. Yeah, uh, uh, all the election results treated them as part of the, the left bloc and stuff. I mean, yeah, so it's basically the first election in Sweden in a bit which has actually had all of the parties aligned to a block or, or not. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, this kind of two and a half block system yeah. that they kind of had, had had throughout most of the 2000s. Yeah, I think it's worth saying on that just for a second as well, that part of this is because it's not only the Sweden Democrats who are polarising, it's also the Social Democrats who are polarising. Mm -hmm. the, the right in the, the, the traditional centre-right in Sweden really hates the Social Democratic Party because of course they've been in opposition to them for most of their existence and so, and therefore they have like a lot of kind of grudges that have built up over a very long period over essentially a century of Social Democratic dominance. I mean the Social Democrats have still not come second in, the gen in a general election mm um since it's in the entire period since universal suffrage um came in like they literally not had a second place um in in that entire period um so yeah they they are they are certainly uh, so yeah they, they are certainly incredibly polarizing and that's part of what what did it for the liberals is like the liberals just became um, it just became fed up with the Social Democrats, basically, um, and decided that they preferred right-wing populists, <laughs> um, which, yeah, uh, and that's still controversial within the party. I, it, it's also worth saying, it wouldn't be worth saying that it's it's not that the Liberals have suddenly decided to go homogenously in one direction. Their former leader declared that he was voting for the... the um, that they were voting for the um, centre party in this election instead. Um, there have certainly been rumblings amongst the party's left flank about uh, about um, about doing and doing these kinds of deals. So yeah, it's, it's also worth just not making out that these are like completely homogenous um, decisions. And I think the other thing that really did it for the Liberals as well was that all that infighting and the working with the Social Democrats was basically draining all their electoral support. They they were frequently polling before the four, below the 4% threshold, which would have completely wiped them out of parliamentary representation um, if it had continued before they made this decision. 
I think there's probably room in the party system for like one economically liberal liberal party that was supporting the Social Democrats, but probably not two. Um, and the Centre Party was has clearly been the more effectively led one. It's fair to say. The results. Do you guys want to talk about in to go into detail about the the results of the 2022? Actually, election? actually, do you mind if we just um, talk a little bit about how social democratic governance has functioned over the last three years? Because I think that oh, is yeah, interesting. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, do you want to go how, ahead? How have, yeah. How have the how have um, the social democratic governments functioned given the kind of complexity of their their dealings with with uh, center right parties? Well, I'm glad you asked, Andres. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so obviously this is a very complex arrangement. You have, a, you, you literally had a government that was basically being supported by, like, ideological um, economic liberals within the Centre Party, all the way through to people who still describe themselves as communist in the, um, in, in the left party. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, the, the left party is quite controversial in Sweden as well. The left party is has not been allowed to, has not been allowed to sit in government um, because it's been too controversial to do so. Yeah. Um, uh, and and these deals have also, these deals have also made them things particularly difficult. Um, and like uh, and something that's quite telling about this governing governing arrangement is that at no point have the centre party and the left party been negotiating directly. And what, what, what's happened is that the, the, the Social Democratic government has would go off to the left party and negotiate a deal with them, and then it would go back to the centre party and negotiate a deal with them, and then, they would go, and then it would try and go back and forth between the two to try and iron out the differences. Um, so although they've only been negotiating basically in a very indirect way with each other, the the fact that you can't even really get them around the table is is telling um and yeah this has been kind of like the cause of a kind of series of of like crises that the government has wound up having um Lofven, the previous prime minister was considered to be an incredibly good negotiator um which really kind of like helps a lot um but fundamentally uh, but yeah you know, he did deals with he still basically got into a position where the left party thought they had a deal that said that rent control was going to be introduced by the government and the center party thought that they had a deal which said that, which gave them a veto over there being rent rent controls and so when rent controls didn't happen the left party um came very close to bringing the government down last year and the uh, and that caused a kind of government crisis which Saw him get, uh, saw, saw saw him eventually go out in a situation where um, the right also managed to impose a government budget on a social uh, uh, right managed to impose a centre right budget on on a social democratic government, which then also caused the Green Party to walk out of the government. <laughs> These kinds of like constant uh, there has been a sense of kind of crisis around the government which didn't exist in the previous parliamentary term. Um, and and I think that's in part also because it's we're now at eight years of social democratic government governance as well. So clearly now we're getting to a point where um, things are becoming controversial. And you know, Sweden, like most countries, is suffering from the cost of living crisis. Um, and and. and uh, and has had a kind of series of rolling crises over the last few years. Yeah, so like crime especially was a massive issue in this election. And yeah, the book that for a Northern European and especially for a Nordic country, it has weirdly high levels of gun violence, which get overstated quite a lot, but does happen um, in cases. And and and, and, and also racialized. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and this is this has been a huge issue that all the parties have kind of had to, and uh, many of the most of the major parties as well have adopted a kind of um, law, tough law and order kind of message um, as well. Uh, yeah, which has been a general theme as well is that the other parties of the centre right trying to tack right to kind of chase the Sweden Democrats down um, on a whole variety of issues. Um, 
we mm. never thought that that their programs of the all of them are now um much more right than they were before um this this to me i mean it's it's i mean we saw um tweet from uh cast murder um before who's if people don't know is is kind of a bit of a i suppose a little bit of a celebrity political scientist in the closest thing too he writes often about the far right he's just saying it's it's both ways you look at it it it's it's really bad for like the swedish political elite because either they looked at the rest of europe and saw that sort of chasing the far right like this wouldn't work and yet they did it anyway or they've just not been looking at any of the cases of doing this and just sort of decided on their own either way this is obviously not worked this has not stemmed the tide of the sweden democrats at all um and yeah it's basically yeah yeah um, in fact if anything is given them more acceptability i think it's probably fair to yeah, say it just, just normalizes those ideas basically so, yeah. yeah 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 and it's worth saying as well that sweden democrats leader is incredibly charismatic and jimmy Atkinson, um as is often the case with radical right parties he is a very fiery and charismatic speaker mm-hmm. um he's also got some like interesting like personal details that like uh, that often that as with these things often kind of give him a machine of like uh, looking a little bit like harder to place politically than for kind of people um people who are like outside like so like for example he had a period where he took some time off from um from parliament because he was because he was depressed which is like so uh, which I think most people would not imagine that of like a radical right wing leader. Um, yeah, he's um, he's also yeah uh, yeah, and he's got a kind of like lower middle class kind of background, which uh, uh, which is basically the kind of classic social democratic electorate. I mean, even even a na- he's even kind of I don't think the name Sweden Democrats was chosen to ape the social democrats originally, but I. He certainly tried to exploit that name to suggest that Sweden Democrats are basically the kind of are, are basically like the old uh, some some like old version of the Social Democrats reborn like before it was taken over by like liberals and like, you know as as often yeah it comes up with these things. Um, although he's also, I mean, one thing that's really interesting about this election, uh, it, it, one thing that's interesting about the Sweden Democrats recently is that they have become much more vocally identifying with the right and and much more anti-social democratic party um, than they than they were in the past. Um, so yeah, um, whether that's part of then just coming in from the cold uh, or or, yeah. or something else. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Should we should we go on then to talk about the the results of this of this um of of this this year's election? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so good. Ridiculously tight. Um, to the point that we said, yeah. yeah, part of the reason, part of the reason we haven't done this podcast last week was because we were all very busy. But another part of it was because it was going to have to be in the end of the week anyway, because we just didn't know the results um, until like Wednesday. They weren't really confirmed at all. Yeah, yeah, we, we like, yeah, they got to like ninety five percent complete of like one seat in it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely nails. And the final result was like was one hundred and seventy six for the right block. Um, and then 173 for the for the left. So this mm. is a really, really a narrow election. Um, and yeah, it could have been shifted by um, kind of uh, postal votes and um, overseas votes um, at one point in between Sunday and Wednesday. Um, it wasn't in the end, but it's confirmed that this is going to be really tight parliamentary arithmetic um, going forward um, for this for this uh, new block with the Sweden Democrats in it. Especially as we've talked about the liberals not be having some kind of internal dissent on it, um, the, this is this is may may sort of see a bit of a, a bit of a struggle at times, I guess, for um, kind of passing legislation on some things. Um, although you should probably also note that the liberals did quite, although they managed to make it over the threshold, which there was fears they wouldn't, have also done 
quite badly. They're not that far off it. Um, so they are not going to be keen to be rushing towards an early election at any point. Um, mm. but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, it's also, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's also been a huge blow for the moderate party because the moderate party has been pushed into third. Mm. Um, not by a huge margin, by about, almost by about one and a half percent, but and but that's still a kind of psychological body blow, albeit it's one that um, is alleviated by the fact that their their leader is probably going to become prime minister. Um, which, which so a lot and lots, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of speculation when it. So the early exit polls suggested that the left bloc was going to win. Um, so there's a lot of speculation at that time that um, if that was the case, um, the leader of um, Christopherson would have to resign um, if he'd come third to the Sweden Democrats. But he hasn't, so he's going to be prime minister instead. It's like <laughs> crazy. It's crazy that um, it's just in a sense, it's just crazy that it, like I've, I've basically two or three seats. Going the wrong way, going the other way. Uh, there's a difference between him having to leave uh, leave his position and becoming prime minister. But... <laughs> no, definitely. Um, yeah, the other party that I suppose did did pretty well. If we have to talk about is actually the Social Democrats. Um, mm -hmm. did, yeah, not not too badly in this election, really. Um, yeah, they, they gained votes and seats after, despite being in government since 2014. Um, and yeah, even though the block as a whole didn't win, they, um, yeah, they, 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 yeah, the green, the green party also gained a little bit, um, after a kind of a period when they'd been on quite dicey ground. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, and given that they'd basically been social Democrats closest ally mm -hmm. over the last few years, I think it's probably, um, symbolic or something too, like, uh, yeah. I, I suspect that some of this is because people seem to broadly actually quite like the uh, the new prime minister, mm -hmm. um, but also because I think people are just looking to vote against the Sweden Democrats to a certain extent, and so you sometimes do see this that people polarise towards the kind of the kind of the the what what are seen as the kind of biggest. Um, parties in opposition to like parties that, uh, that they don't like, um, even in PR systems. Um, so I think I think it probably makes sense on that level um, that yeah people are doing that. Yeah, I think she's been doing she's quite strong um, foreign policy performer as well in the past year. Um, mm -hmm. You tend I think you tend to tend to forget that also that the Sweden is kind of. Um, in kind of Russia's neighborhood, as it were, it's pretty close um, to the kind of maritime border. Um, and yeah, obviously they've been leading into the sort of Sweden joining NATO um, mm. many decades out. And um, yeah, and she's been pretty sort of vocal in support for Ukraine and stuff as well. Um, so yeah, and then it's, it's, she's, she's, yeah, she's generally overall has been seen pretty, pretty popular, I think, um, even if yeah. the bloc has not managed to, to scrape that majority. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the Centre Party also held up relatively decently. Um, they they lost a, they lost a few they lost some um, a not an insignificant number of seats, but ultimately they're at seven percent, which for a party which has basically switched sides, because pretty good going. Um, so there clearly is an appeal in that kind of economically liberal willing to work with social democrats but anti working with the sweet anti working with a right that has the sweden democrats in it kind of politics um do we do we know who the sweden democrats got seat uh votes from like which party the, the the part they they mostly took votes from the social democrats and the moderates which is not which is basically what where they've mostly taken votes from throughout their rise is out of those two parties. And in part, that's probably just because those are the two largest parties anyway. Mm -hmm. um, 
early on in their rise there was a speculation there was a kind of lot of commentary to the effect of they might well be taking so so actually the biggest drop in social democratic support was actually the 2006 election where they first came in sorry the so the 2010 election when they kind of that's a so biggest drop in their support was actually the 2014 election, sorry, <laughs> when they first came into Parliament, where basically the Greens had a really good election um, and the Social Democrats dropped by like 5%. And there was a lot of speculation that year that essentially what was happening was the Social Democrats were being pincered. Um, they were losing kind of like their more liberal electorate, and particularly their younger liberal electorate to the Greens. Um, but that was the first election they did a formal alliance with the Green Party and said that if um, they won, the Green Party would be in government with them. Um, and there was some speculation, that some interesting speculation, um, I can't remember if there was actually any evidence for this, um, that possibly what ha they had done was that by allying with the Greens, they basically repelled voters in their kind of traditional base in small industrial towns in the kind of middle um, of Sweden. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if that was ever demonstrated, uh, probably or not, but it certainly was the case that they'd been losing a lot of votes, that, that they have lost um, more votes than most in that area. Uh, kind of similar to how, um, for example, in the UK, We've seen, you know, the famous red wall um, losing losing votes in kind of small town and rural north um, that were kind of traditional labour heartlands, or like somewhere like Appalachia in the United States, kind of these kind of like more rural, small town, agrarian, industrial areas, which have actually been the heart of the social democrats. They've not historically been strong in sweet in Stockholm, for instance, or like um, big cities. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but in those kind of more small towns that, that kind of forms the kind of backbone of of Swedish industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we should mention as well that the, the the social democrats, although they did improve a little bit in this election, their voting demographics are skewing very old now. Um, comparatively, mm. like they they their largest group was uh, voters sixty five and older, um, where they still gained um, thirty eight percent of the vote um, among those, but only twenty percent of those eighteen to twenty one. Um, the youngest voters actually skewed um, pretty right wing, actually. Um, largest were among the 18 to 21s were the yeah, that which isn't actually untypical for Sweden. Yeah. Um, they 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 do they have there's a actually a relatively reasonable history of young voters in Sweden skewing right, which which uh, I, I think is probably understandable on the basis that. Uh, young people often skew against whoever is uh, skew against kind of parties that have been in power a long time so that's probably part of it i think i think it was also probably partially the case that um uh, uh, that because the right had for a long time quite liberal had ha uh, during, the during the 2000s the right looked quite um socially liberal so like that made them like Quite appealing to a kind of younger generation too in some ways mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah um yeah it's interesting to see how that develops it's an important anecdote i think to think about the the kind of anglo-american uh very left youth is not typical by any means um and we shouldn't be no yeah it's normal i don't think um on this but yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one other thing I'd briefly like to mention: um, the biggest party that um, didn't get into parliament was this party called um, the, the Nuance Party, Nians. Um, it's a very small party, and it got it got less than half percentage points. So when I say biggest party that didn't cross the threshold, it's still very small. But that's essentially a Muslim interest party which I think suggests that there may also be some um, kind of radicalization of the kind of um, 
of the Muslim voting group in Sweden going on. Um, they're they're not getting like huge numbers of votes, but it was. It, it, um, although I think there's some discussion that they may have got like around twenty percent in some parts of um, Malmo, the kind of particularly most um, Muslim-dominated parts. But um, yeah, it's that's interesting to see that coming about, and I wonder if that might be the start of something um, not insignificant. But yeah, who knows? It's hard. It's hard to judge like such a, a such a small party's potential at this time. Yeah, I will register that the, the, the guy who runs that uh, is not a nice man, and is the no, no, the, uh, the grey wolves, the kind of Turkish ultra nationalist youth group. Yeah, yeah, no, there's lot, there's lots of, there's lots about them which are, um, is concerning. Um, not actually unlike. For example, Denk, which is another uh, in in the Netherlands, which is another um, uh, migrant interest party, um, essentially. Um, or I should probably say ethnic minority interest party because these people are obviously citizens. Um, so, yeah, I love. I mean, the the name is. It's so funny. It's so funny that the name is the Nuance Party, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always have a, a really a, a profound weird annoyance with the the name Sweden Democrats as well. I just it just it seems that it should be Swedish Democrats. And I don't yeah. know how they say it like that. Really I, mean, I think it's just sort of something to do with the way that the okay. Swedish language works, but yes, it is a little bit annoying. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. It's also very confusing for most people I find because like their acronym is ST. So most people are like, oh, social democrats. No, yeah. <laughs> social democrats are either S or SAP, um, depending on um, which yeah. one you prefer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, not not the worst thing about the party by any means, but something that, that annoys me. No, no, no. It always makes things a little bit difficult when you're like um, commenting commenting to a mm. uh, to a non Swedish audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good, yeah. All right. Um, are we uh done there? I guess? Oh yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to just discuss a couple of the other things that came out of this election. Um, so um, I mentioned the Centre Party having a reason, holding up reasonably well. Um, but the, it's um worth mentioning that their mm-hmm. leader Annie Luff. Um, resigned in the wake of the election. Um, she's she's basically been a very long. She's li- she's been a very long term lead. She's literally led the party since 2011, despite the fact that she's only two years older than me, which makes me feel ancient. <laughs> um, she literally she literally took over when she uh, when she was um, in her mid twenties. Um, She's been a kind of like long-term, like quite impressive member of the Swedish life. So there's been so it'll be interesting to see what happens there when they replace her. There's been some speculation that maybe they might elect someone who's like more willing to take the party back to the right. But um, there's noises that are coming out of most of the party elites, at least, seem to indicate that they that they're against that as an idea. But um, but yeah um but yeah so that could clearly because she's been such a force um and has been very closely identified with the party over the last 11 years um it is kind of in it will be interesting to see where she takes them um the left party also i think it's fair to say had a disappointing result because the left party has actually been having like a real revival over the last if you at least if you believe polls over the last four years, um, they had a very popular leader for a while, um, who um, who um, had to um, oh, did he resign? I think he resigned or something. Let me have a quick. Um, yeah, they had a very popular leader who um, who had to depart, but um, for reasons I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, but the fact that they've now dropped a few seats is disappointing considering the party was looking at doubling its support at one point 
um, which was part of, uh, part of the reason why they were being so bullshy last year, <laughs> uh, because they were trying to kind of demonstrate their influence over the government. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I think if you enjoyed talk hearing about the radical right a lot, then you will love next week's episode. Um, so we'll be covering the Italian elections. Um, yeah. Take place this weekend. Um, and yeah. Uh, look kind of horrible i have to say yeah three different varieties of like of people who've historically been described as right-wing populists that's, <laughs> del that's delightful <laughs> it's gonna be real yeah <laughs> yes so uh yeah join us next week for for some italy um but have a have a good weekend otherwise all right uh,